Welcome to the Legal Navigator podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca from Law Training Centre. Today, we'll be touching on the topic, legal careers qualifying without a law degree. If you come from a non-legal background or you don't have a law degree, but are interested in starting a career in law, stay tuned to discover various alternative routes in the legal profession. We are also very delighted to have a few amazing guest speakers joining us today, each bringing their own distinct insights and experiences in the legal field. So hi, guys. So it would be great if you could all just give just further information about your current role and basically just your journey to get in there. Can we start off with Laura, if that's okay? Yeah, no problem. So I started off working in my previous firm um, as a secretary, and then I decided to change firms because they were slightly more modern uh, with various different technology and different qualification routes that I could go down that they supported. Um, So when I changed firm, I then began my training route with LTC and I started off as a PA and then progressed to a conveyance and executive whilst during my studies. And now I'm a licensed conveyancer today. I've gone sort of from the bottom and worked my way up. And I really thought that working alongside doing the exams was really beneficial because you can experience all of the different aspects of law and put into practice what you're learning great so what was the exact motivation going through the clc route so you could obviously could have gone through like the lpc qualify as a solicitor and then obviously practice as a conveyance solicitor what was the particular inspiration or motivation with choosing the clc route over a more traditional pathway i love the opportunity that is flexible so During COVID, I was furloughed with my firm, um, and that was a real opportunity as we couldn't do much else. But if I did other routes, then sometimes they only have exam sittings in January and June, and therefore I would have been a bit more stuck with sort of timing. So it was really good that I could revise and then just enter the exam when I was ready, which was a great opportunity. Great. So Sarah, is, is it okay if you go next, just to tell our listeners about your current role? and the pathway you took into the legal field? Yeah, sure. So I'm currently an associate at Hodge, Jones & Allen in their personal injury team. My journey kind of started by accident, to to be (laughs) honest. I I did an English degree and was going to do further study in that that area, but it really wasn't financially viable. And I fell into a temp job at the Crown Prosecution Service. And the whole atmosphere I just found fascinating the work itself was pretty mundane there was a lot of photocopying a lot of filing but just being in that atmosphere I just found really interesting so when that contract ended I just thought I needed another job in in law given that I didn't have a lot of I well I had no legal qualifications it was just a matter of getting my foot in the door somewhere and that's when Hodge Jones and Allen came along I started out It'll be uh, 12 years ago in November as a legal assistant. So again, photocopying, lots of filing, but it allowed me to get that background and focus on my studies. So I progressed to being a paralegal. I did two different paralegal roles in the department, one managing a caseload of sort of low value road traffic accident claims, and then moved on to assisting the partners with their higher value and catastrophic work before I managed to qualify about getting on for three years ago now. And now I run a caseload of about 70 to 80 claims, whole mixture of different types of claims, different types of accidents. 
and yeah, the, that method suited me down to the ground. So you did mention, you know, you started off with an English degree, just wanted to get your foot into the door. Could you talk through the initial application stages when you were applying for law firms? Were there any particular challenges coming from like a non-law degree background? So, so many of them wanted some kind of law degree legal qualification, especially at the, the paralegal level. I think things have changed substantially since since I was looking to overcome it, it was just a matter of keep applying, keep trying. I sent my CV to numerous firms near me, just shoved it through the door and said, you know, basically, I'll, I'll do, didn't say I'll do anything because that's not wildly professional, but that was kind of <laughs> the idea. I went to several secretarial interviews as well, because I thought if I could just, you know, again, typing, get my foot in the door. It was just a matter of keep trying until I got the interview and started at, at HJA. Fantastic. So since qualifying, um, obviously, through the Silex route, what significant like advantages have you seen? The main thing for me was the fact that you can work alongside your studies. I think that for me, understanding why I was doing certain tasks made it made them easier to do. And, you know, my studies enabled me to do that. So I understood if someone said, I don't know, put together this bundle for the court. It wasn't just finding the documents and putting them together. I knew why the documents needed to be in there. And um, and that obviously helps you do your job better if you know where it fits into the process and why you're doing it. Great. Of course, Louise, it would be great if you could just tell us a bit more about your current role and just explain the pathway that you've taken into law. Like Sarah, I fell into law by accident. Um, I was a PA to a chartered surveyor. And when that job expectedly came to an end, I had to find a job fast. So just put my CV out and started at a big law firm as just a part time receptionist on holiday cover. Um, Ten years later, I was still there as a legal secretary. So. And I found a love of probate. I liked the family and the history which went with it. And also I'm a bit of a geek and I like figure work and maths and things as well. Strange, I know, but there you go. And one of the partners noticed that I had a flair for probate and asked if I would be interested in training under their scheme at the time to take on my level threes. So I just jumped at the chance. I was in my late 40s, so I was quite late to start. And then I did leave my recent law firm and move to where I am now because I just like the smaller practice. So I looked for another job and found my new job where I am now as a fee earner in my own right um, within the firm, supervised by my boss, obviously. But yes, that's how I found it. So I literally just limped along in life, but literally found my niche later on and very happy. So just for those who want to start off later on, it would be interesting to know if there were any particular challenges that you faced, like joining such, joining so late on in your career. Was there anything stood out to you or hindered you or was just a general I challenge? Think, I don't think there were any hindrances, but sometimes with the larger law firm, I did notice perhaps a little bit of a discrimination against age. But as for the learning process, I haven't found anything. It doesn't matter what age you hit it at. There's a brain that works in there. And if you want to use it, it's capable of doing. And I think you've got less distractions as you're older in life. Your family's grown up. So you can concentrate that little bit better. Sarah, you touched on something. 
the financial aspect of it all, it being financially viable to do the Silex role. I was just wondering for Louise and Laura, was affordability a deciding factor with your career and education choice? Um, so when I was at my previous law firm, I started off doing the Silex route to become a paralegal. But when I left that firm, I did have to pay it back as part of my contract. So then when I moved to Codes, my current firm, I decided that I'd fund it myself because then if you ever did decide to move on, you haven't got that sort of tie or unexpected repayment. So that's sort of yeah, my funding side of it that I found it was more beneficial to do it yourself if you can. Um, but I know a lot of firms do offer training contracts that are great. So there are pros and cons of both, both of it, really. What about you, Louise? cost was an implication for me because I'm a single income person so obviously trying to find the money to fit around it that's why I found law training centre very easy to deal with because the instalment process helped me immensely and without that I wouldn't have been able to proceed with my new level threes which I had to fund myself so that was instrumental in me actually being with law training centre as well helped me a lot it's interesting to know just because on a daily basis, we do get a lot of learners who inquire about the financial aspects. So you have to take into consideration the cost of living has gone up, law school fees have gone up. So that's why we're just trying to make it a bit more accessible to everyone. So we've developed like scholarships and like you rightfully said, flexible instalment plans to help with it as well. But glad to see that it was very useful for you, Louise. <laughs> just to touch on um, the actual like online learning process. I know, Sarah, you studied through distance learning with Silex. Could you explain why you chose this mode of learning and elaborate on your actual experience with that? Yeah, when I sort of realised that I really needed some kind of legal qualification to sort of support what the role I wanted, I did consider the, the GDL to convert to a law degree. But at that point, I was not completely sure that law was something I wanted to do. So another year of full-time study and the financial commitment was a a commitment that I wasn't sort of completely sure on. So the great thing about Silex was it offered me that that flexibility that I could sort of commit to one or two modules at a time. So I did it through Silex Law School. So you would sign up for however many modules you wanted to commit to at, at that time. And you would then have 18 months to to take and, and pass the exam. So what it meant was if I was going through a particularly busy period, you know, I could say, right, OK, I'm only going to do one one module this time. Um, and it really helped sort of fit around. And the more I studied, the more I realized, actually, no, this is what I want to do. So and it spread the cost as well. So, um, Laura, you've done online learning with us. Um, could you just talk through? What was your experience with online learning and how exactly did it accommodate like work-life balance, for example? What advantages did you find in it? So I did, um, yeah, the online learning with LTC. We had an app as well, a Moodle app, which was really good. You've got it on your iPad or your phone so you can look at your uh, materials anywhere. It was great to be able to balance work-life because you don't have the exam deadline. So, yeah, like I said, you could enter whenever you're ready. Um, also the online tutors they were so helpful if you've ever got questions or queries they're always there working day or night I found they'd always come back to you whenever they were available to to help you with any queries you had it is hard to to balance work and studies but that's that's definitely challenging 
but it's just making the time and finding the time and just the dedication to do it really is really what you need. Yeah, of course. Louise, could you elaborate on your experience of online education and how it's like contributed to your professional development? Well, working in the field and studying at the same time, it was like Sarah said earlier, you you can literally work out why you're doing something. And I think you do learn much quicker and much better if you know why you're doing something in the first place. I agree with Sarah on that. As for online learning, literally, like Laura says, you can fit it round what you're doing so if you have a tough day like I've had a tough day sometimes with my 83 year old mother who needs a little bit of extra care I can put off my studies for a few days do them early in the morning late at night whenever I've got time rather than trying to fit it in with a law school so online education for me has been a godsend and we've all managed to balance your studies pretty well so I was wondering if you guys could share any tips or strategies for individuals who are considering online or distance education, how can they make the most out of their learning experience? I think my my biggest piece of advice would be to maybe like sort of don't be too hard on yourself. You will have days when you will have a long day at work and you'll think and you plan to study or plan to get something done and you just won't, you just can't, don't force yourself the whole the whole advantage of distance learning is it fits in around you so don't sort of let that guilt about not studying which I think is probably a hangover from sort of traditional education not having done your homework or whatever (laughs) Um, but don't let that become distracting and disheartening you know make it work for you and you'll get so much more out of it it's pretty good Sarah so Laura did you have anything to add yeah, I definitely agree with Sarah exactly what she said. Don't don't put too much pressure on yourself. But I did find if you had a calendar, put the days down and made a routine of when you were going to study and the hours you were going to put in and tried to stick to it, then at least you had some sort of structure. But yeah, if you did have a really long day or you just needed a break, there's no point trying to overdo it because you're probably not going to take it in. So yeah, that that's important. Great. So Louise, do you have anything to add? I agree with both Laura and Sarah. Don't be hard on yourself. Just fit it in when you've got time and just pace yourself. And as if something happens, if you're trying too hard, just step away from it and walk back and have another go at a later time when not so much is going on in life. And that's the beauty of the online distance learning. Great. So I wanted to touch on work experience because work experience is a crucial element for most of these pathways, namely um, Silex, CLC. So we know that work experience is very crucial because it gives you not only insight into the legal profession, but it helps you build on crucial skills and enhances your competitiveness and the overall field. But um, so beyond education, how did you gain your practical experience and exposure into the legal field to complement your studies? Like just for people who are, you know, at that stage where they need that practical work experience, they just don't know how to get it. They're not getting any luck. Do you guys have any tips on how people can get practical work experience? Personally, I've seen a lot of legal professionals come up right through the ranks in the larger firms from starting off even in the warehouse, the storage where you're looking after deeds and files, because there's all sorts of information you can glean from those while putting them away, being on reception, you're picking up things, you're listening. So if you've got an attentive ear and a bit of note taking, there's a lot you can learn just from being in that environment. So, Sarah, do you have any like tips on how someone can get work experience? I think it's just a matter of, of getting out there. 
obviously it's quite different I've been at my firm a very long time now (laughs) Um, at that point it was just a matter of as I said going to your local solicitors firms putting your CV through the door being willing to take on just as Louise said any any task the work I did at the CPS was was not on the face of it particularly interesting as I said it was a lot of filing it was a lot of photocopying but just being in that atmosphere and listening to people and talking to people about you know why you're doing what you're doing is um, was was fascinating and really interesting. So it's just a matter of being willing. Another route would be potentially get in touch with maybe the Citizens Advice Bureau, various charities. We do a lot of work with charities. If you wanted to volunteer for one of those, you can make contacts that way. You know, we work with uh, Child's Brain Injury Trust, Break, which is a charity that helps people who have injured in road accidents. So sort of looking around for alternative routes that way might be a good way to make make contacts. Right. Excellent tips from Sarah and Louise there. Laura, did you want to add any other advice on how people can get work experience? As Louise said, going into a firm as a receptionist, you pick up so much just answering the phone calls, different departments, different terminology. That's a really good starting point. And then it might even sort of point you in the direction that you want to go with law um, and what department you want to really enjoy working with. Right. So, on a similar level, in terms of like networking, networking is crucial, again, in the legal industry, because it obviously helps you build connections through networking. Most people actually get their first job and obviously it can help you facilitate like knowledge, sharing amongst professionals. In your opinion, would you agree that networking is advantageous to succeed in the legal industry? Oh, yeah, I would say it is now for me personally, having um, my own caseload now being a fee earner, I'm head of the new build department. So obviously to get good contact is is great now. When you're starting off, I wouldn't say it's so beneficial, but definitely as you progress um, and qualify, when you're reliant on different contacts, so for me, estate agents or development sites for new build houses, it's great networking. Uh, Yeah, definitely. What about you, Sarah? Would you say networking is beneficial? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like I've already said, we do a lot of work with charities, you know, just getting your name out there, meeting people. It is important to to develop new work and to also to develop your your own profile. If people know who you are, they'll think maybe to recommend a client or something like that. So yeah, it is it is really important. So in you guys' opinion, where do you see the landscape of non-traditional legal careers evolving in the coming years? When I started there was one other legal executive uh, or someone who was studying to become a legal executive at the firm. Now, in my department, there are there are three qualified legal executives and another two going going that route. And that's just one department in one firm. More and more often now you're getting email replies from someone with Silex after their name or some other route. And I think the amount it's changed in the in the 10 years since I've been studying, 10, 12 years since I've been studying, it's it's only going to get more and more common as people. As, and I think COVID has changed a lot of people's views of learning. You yeah. no longer have to go to a university or a law school. So much is online now and the online experience has improved so much. I mean, when I started, we used to get a big binder full of, of paper. That, that was our course material. But now it's it's all online. So and I think that has changed hugely and I think it will only continue. I agree, because um, from my experience, when I was in university, there was only literally two pathways they told you, you could do once you qualify with your law degree. That's either solicitors or a barrister. And that was it. 
But since coming out and over the recent years, there's definitely been a lot more exposure into different alternative routes. I mean, even if you take the SRA's approach, they're now broadening it up to SQE, where you could just have a degree in any subject or level six equivalent qualifications and do it. So it's going to attract more people not coming through that whole traditional pipeline. But that's interesting for Laura, did you want to add anything before we move on? Oh, yeah, just really that obviously the online way is so flexible. Um, like you say, you don't have to be sat in a classroom. You don't have to go to university. So I really think that it's only going to fly this way of working, really. So I wanted to know from you guys, what is the most rewarding and satisfying aspect of your legal career so far? So if we start with you, Laura. So qualifying was a huge milestone for me um, because that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to become a licensed conveyancer. I don't intend to do any more exams. I'm happy where I am. But I also was put forward to win the Today's Conveyancer of the Year Award um, in 2021 across the UK. And and I won. So, um, yeah, that was huge. Brilliant. Yeah. the, The two biggest things. So, Sarah, what was the most rewarding and satisfying aspect in your career so far? I think it, it's tricky to sort of put one one event. I mean, my, my graduation and my qualification was was huge. My graduation was delayed. I actually qualified in September 2020, but didn't get to do the sort of formal graduation until the following year. So that felt much bigger because of that, that delay. But just on a day-to-day basis, just getting results for my clients, regardless of the, the amount of money they ultimately receive, it's incredibly satisfying to know that you are making a difference to people who have had their lives affected by by these injuries and just just be able to do something small to be able to put them back on the road to to recovery is is immensely satisfying. Definitely. And Louise, do you want to share any rewarding or satisfying moments? Well, getting my diploma last week was a big milestone for me. But as Sarah says, it's what you can do for your clients as well. So you can go home at the end of the day knowing you've done a good job. One little particular story I can pick out is recently telling a family of four that were really, really struggling that they'd been left a property, some money to them in the will and that they could move in straight away. So they literally went from rented accommodation to nothing to just being sorted and it was just a nice feeling so yes what we can do as I say as Sarah says what you can do for your clients you go home at the end of the day and you've got that satisfaction it's a good feeling yeah that's really great and thanks for sharing that Louise that example just to follow on on that Sarah and Laura do you have any particularly memorable or impactful experience from your journey so far? I think one one that sticks out for me is the first time I went to a trial I, I was uh, asked to help out at a, um, a five-day trial at the High Court in London. It's the big building you see on the TV. <laughs> um, and it was a culmination of years and years, a case that had been running years and years and years for a client with a very severe brain injury. And to see all of that work come to fruition and to have the case go in our favour was really memorable because so few of of the cases actually get that far so yeah that's that's an experience that really sticks out what about you laura um so i'm in property um so it might not be quite as exciting as sarah and (laughs) (laughs) just helping first-time buyers really and buy their first house getting on the ladder seeing them excited when we exchange and complete 
really great to see how far they've come and to explain the process to them as well um, because at the start it's, it's all very daunting and to guide them through it is is a real yeah it, it, it's lovely to see. Great and just the last question for you all what specific thing do you enjoy the most about in your current work and how has it fulfilled your career aspirations just that one thing that you enjoy the most. Sarah do you want to start? It all comes back to helping clients, really. I'm dealing with with injured people. You can't you can't heal them. You're not a doctor, but you can get them access to treatment. You can get them the financial means to to fund treatment and sort of get their lives back on track, which is really really satisfying. And it ultimately the the amount of the award doesn't really matter if it helps that client put their life back on track. I, I always say I don't want repeat clients. Because people people come to me, they've had an accident or they've been injured. I don't want them. I don't want to see them again, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. So to be able to sort of say goodbye to a client, hopefully permanently, is is really good. So um, Louise, do you have anything to add before we move on? I think my love of figure work and just meeting people has helped me blossom. As you can tell, I'm a bit chatty, and I do try to put my clients relaxed. They see a legal professional for the first time. Some of them are a bit daunted. But yes, if I can put them at ease, then I've done my job. That's brilliant. So thank you guys all for listening. That was really fantastic. Thank you for tuning into the Legal Navigator podcast. We hope you found today's episode informative and engaging. If you have any questions or need more information, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can send us an email to info at ltckent.com or visit our website at ltckent.co.uk. Until next time, stay tuned for more episodes.